Welcome back to another edition of the PagCast. I'm your host, Michael Pagani, joined alongside Calgary Dinos forward, Jordan Xavier. Jordan, welcome to the PagCast. Thank you again for coming on. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Good to be here. What what exactly do you do during a typical off-season, let's say? Because obviously this one has been, uh, you know, extended to, stay, to say the least. A uh, typical off-season, normally just skating, training, get some, get some work in here and there. It's kind of tough to work, um, you know, being a university student, full-time student, uh, full-time athlete as well. So most of my income comes from the summer. So I got to, I got to work and then also find a way to mix in my training and, and my skating as well. How have you treated this off season differently from others, given how long it has been since your last game? Uh, this off season, I guess the last 18 months really have been, it's been interesting. I've been trying my best to honestly get away from hockey. I feel, I feel like there's a lot of things I've been wanting to do with my life and things that I've been wanting to try that I never really had a, a chance to because hockey consumed almost all my time. So, you know, having this, uh, this little break from the lockdown or with the lockdowns and everything kind of just allowed me to, to try new things, things I've always wanted to do. And, so I've been kind of focusing on that. And then, uh, you know, now that hockey's starting to, to come back and we're going to have games soon, kind of starting to dial back in and focus on being a hockey player again. How important is it, you know, you kind of mentioned it there, that it really is important for you to take a break from hockey during the offseason just so, you know, you don't get hockeyed out. Oh, it's, it's very important. Burnout is real. And burn, it doesn't matter how much you love the game, you can still get burnt out. Um, so it's definitely very important and it's, it's a lesson that I've kind of had to learn the hard way. You know, I skate, you're on the, sometimes you're on the ice too much in an off season or, you know what I mean? And then you just get burnt out. So taking a break is definitely important. And, uh, you know, growing up, my parents always taught me the importance of being a multi-sport athlete. I played every sport possible just to kind of take a break from hockey and, you know, it just, it's like distance makes the heart grow fonder. You know, you, you take a little bit of time off and then when hockey season comes around, you just, you got that itch again, you know? How did you decide to continue with hockey then since you were a multi-sport athlete? Uh, it was what I loved the most. I love sports in general, but hockey is always my first love. So that's, that's, it was an easy choice to make. Is there some story you have behind choosing number 18 for the Calgary Dinos or is it just one Jersey, you know, they walk into the dress room and you picked. I number 18 is a number that ran through my family. So there's, there's six of us. I'm the youngest of six and uh, all my siblings growing up at one point in time wore number 18. So um, it's been a number I've had with me since about Bantam. Uh, 18 wasn't always available in uh, community hockey and stuff, but you know, once I had the choice at what number I wanted, 18's always been, it's been, it's always been my first choice because all my brothers and my sister wore 18 at one point in time. Being from Calgary, did you kind of instantly fall in love with hockey given how, you know, hockey, how that is really a hockey market? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think it was more so my family. There was all my, all my siblings that played hockey before me and you know, the, not long after I learned how to walk, my dad had me in a pair of skates and I was, you know, just crawling around the ice. And I don't know, I just kind of, just kind of grew up, grew up on it. The 2012 world juniors were hosted in Calgary. Did you happen to get any tickets to those games? 
I did. I watched, um, I think, I think that year the U S played in the relegation round and they played against Latvia. Uh, I was at that game and then I was actually at the gold medal game. The, the thriller won nothing in overtime with uh, Russia and Sweden. I was at that game as well. Those, you know, moments never escape our minds, no matter how old we get. We always remember them just because of the crowd atmosphere, I believe. Oh, for sure. For sure. And it's, uh, that's the only time I've ever been to a world junior game. So, you know, that one definitely sticks out for me as well. And, you know, speaking of the world juniors, uh, I went to the first outdoor game there in Buffalo when it was Canada and USA. And, you know, I, I remember it because as we were driving down uh, to the game, um, you know, my dad asked me, I went, it was just me and my dad going to the game. And, you know, he asked me like, Oh, could you check on border traffic? And, uh, you know, I do, but I, you know, when I checked for the border traffic, I, it was actually, I read the time, uh, thinking that it was going towards, but it was actually, I was actually reading time going, uh, back towards Canada instead of towards the USA. So I read out the wrong time. And then, you know, I went to, I went to nap because I was extremely tired. And next thing you know, my dad, you know, I, I wake up and my dad tells me like, look, we may be late to the game. So I'm all in shambles. Like I, I'm heartbroken. Cause like this was, I think a Christmas gift or something like that. And, you know, it's between Canada and USA and these moments and you don't want to miss them, but we ended up being late and we had to catch, you know, 75% of the game on the radio. And, uh, but just for the third period, and then we had to go to overtime and shootout during that game. Uh, it was something I loved, you know, about the World Juniors. Yeah, the World Juniors, it's a very special tournament. It's a very special tournament, for sure. Are you a Flames fan by any chance? Uh, I mean, yeah, I guess if I have to cheer for any team, it is Calgary. I honestly wouldn't even say I'm necessarily a fan of any team per se. I just like watching good games. Uh, you know, I, I enjoy watching good players, talented players. So wouldn't really say I'm a fan of any team per se, but I always do want to see Calgary succeed. And, you know, that must mean that, uh, you know, Edmonton, uh, if you were to see uh, Calgary and Edmonton game, that would be, you know, a lot of fun. Oh, for sure. You know, I, I've been to, I've been to my fair share of the battle of Alberta games being from here, you know, getting tickets to go to the saddle dome and stuff. So, those uh, special atmosphere in those games, for sure, there's always a little something extra behind it. Well, getting into your career here, you know, in, starting with the 2011-2012 season, uh, you played for, you know, in the Alberta Cup for Team Calgary North. Uh, what did you learn from playing in that tournament? Oh, that was, that tournament was like the first true step, like the first big step in my uh in my career, I'd say, because normally, you know, playing in like Peewee and Bantam and stuff like you're, you're really only playing kids that are in your city. So I only, all I really knew at that time was like kids, you know, uh, from Calgary. And you know, that tournament was a very big step because then we got to play against everyone from around Alberta, the best players from Edmonton, the best players from, you know, cent the central zone and stuff. So that, that tournament was more of an eye opener for, for me to see all the talent that Alberta had to offer instead of just seeing what was in Calgary. Well, you know, during the tournament, you had three points in five games. How important was it for you to find the score sheet at the time? Uh, it, it was important because I knew the draft, the, the Bantam draft was coming up and I really, you know, wanted to, to put myself in a good spot. Um, 
heading into the to the Bantam draft there. And the Alberta Cup tournament, I didn't I didn't necessarily play as well as I wanted to, but uh, it was a it was a really great experience and a, one that I'm happy I had for sure. You played two years with the Calgary North Stars, you know, U18 program. What was that experience like? Uh, it was it was interesting. The Max tournament is are definitely the highlights of those two years. Uh, I know we didn't always we didn't have the best team either of those years that I was playing U18 there, but you know, being able to play in the Max tournament like not once but twice, you know, was was very special, and I'm very grateful for that because there's a lot of there's a lot of kids that never get that opportunity. And so just to be able to do it twice, it was, uh, was awesome. How comfortable can you get since there isn't really that big of a roster turnover from year to year. And so you could develop that line chemistry. Uh, I mean, for me personally, I was, there was roster turnover every two years. Right. Cause I, I actually, honestly, every year. Cause when I was, uh, my first year at Banta, I was the, the only 13 year old that was on that team. So the next year I was playing with a new team of entirely different guys, but I guess moving up to midget, it was a little, ended up playing with the same guys again. So, you know, there's definitely an opportunity to develop line chemistry for sure. Would you say that playing with the Calgary North stars program was also like your first time really learning about systems and how to develop your game within that system? Y- yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, you know, playing kind of like the house league hockey, my dad was always the coach too. And my dad was more skill. He was more skill-based and he had an emphasis on developing, um, skills. Cause you can't really follow a system if you're not able to, or if you don't have the skills to, to play. So definitely starting in the North stars was my first like introduction to systems. And and then in the following season, you know, in 2014-15, that was actually your first season in the AJHL. How could you describe the play for those who don't know, uh, you know, in the AJHL, sorry? It's, it's, it's gritty. I remember that for sure. My first game uh, with Fort McMurray, like that, my first year was, uh, it was a huge eye opener. It was fast you know, the bodies were flying everywhere and it was just like, it was, it was crazy. It's a, it's a gritty league, but uh, you know, it took me about 10, 10 games to probably fully acclimate to being in that league. So uh, yeah. It must've really been a true dose of reality for you during those first 10 games. Like, you know, this is the style of play that, you know, the AJHL is going to come at you with. Oh, for sure. And in those 10 games, I learned, like, if I want to stick here, there's, there's changes I got to make, you know? So it's, uh, yeah, that was those first 10 games. It was, it was kind of tough to adjust, but I eventually found my way. What was it like playing your first uh, AJHL game for the Fort McMurray uh, Oil Barons? Actually, my first AJHL game was with Lloyd. I, I affiliated as a 16 year old and uh, I played a game with my midget team. And then I ended up getting like an emergency call from uh, it was Kyle Tapp was uh, Kyle Tapp and Gary Van Harrigie were the coaches at the time. I ended up getting an emergency call after my game. Like, Hey, we're in Okotoks. We need another body. Can you come and play? And uh, I was just like, yeah, sure. So I didn't really have any time. I was kind of just thrown right in the fire. I had no time to really think about it or, you know, prepare really for such a big milestone in my first junior game. But um yeah that was uh 
again, just like I said, my, with my first game with Fort McMurray, it was a huge eye opener to like, if I want to play here and if this is what I want to do, and if I want to be successful here, I have a lot of work to do. That was my, my first thoughts, like after the game, sitting in the room after it was just like, man, like if I want to play in this league and be successful here, I got a lot of work to do. Well, you know, it seems like you did do a, a lot of work. You had, I uh, was, you know, 10 points in 26 games with the Barons there uh, for uh, Fort McMurray. You know, what were some of the successes and, you know, I guess some of the struggles that you had during your rookie season? Uh, being, dealing with healthy scratches. That is never something I'd ever, that was the first time I'd ever had to dealt with that, uh, deal with that before. And uh, I just remember like, like, getting scratched is just like such an empty feeling, especially when you're a young kid, you've never experienced it before. Um, so dealing with that and just like learning how to, you know, mentally come back and prepare yourself for the next time you are in the lineup, because if you are one of the guys that's kind of on the bubble being in and out and you don't really have time to dwell on the fact that you were scratched the game before or whatever, you gotta, you gotta come in and make an impact. So it doesn't happen again. And do you kind of take, I guess, a healthy scratch for that? Could, could you try and, I guess, make that more positive in a way? Like try and have uh, as much optimism as possible? Yeah, I mean, at the, at the time when I was first getting scratched, I was a pretty immature kid. And a lot of times when I got scratched, I kind of just pouted. And I was, you know, I had a little bit of a pity party. And, you know, that's not, that's not really the way to go about it. I think if I could tell anything to a young kid going into junior when you deal with a healthy scratch you should sit up there you should watch the game and you should take something from it and at least learn something from it um you know that's something I wish I would have done um but yeah you, you gotta kind of take the chance to watch the game and see how it unfolds and see what you can take from that game to make yourself better in the next one you got traded to the Calgary Mustangs during the same season how did you find out about the trade I pretty, pretty standard. I just got uh, a call from the coach got told to come to the rink and my mom was actually up visiting me in Fort McMurray at the time. So it was nice. I had help with the, it was a nine hour drive back home to Calgary. So it's just pretty standard coach came in, told me what happened. And I think since I was under 18, uh, I actually needed a guardian <laughs> signature to sign off on. the <laughs> I was still in high school. I was still in high school. That's wild. So I needed, I needed like my mom to, to basically agree. <laughs> like, hey, I'm agreeing to my, you know what I mean? Cause I was still in yeah. high school. It changed everything for me. I had to come back home and, um, you know, transfer mid semester into my high school back in Calgary. So yeah, that was, that was an interesting, that was an interesting turn of events, but it, uh, yeah. You know, hockey moms are always there for everything, it seems like. You know, the early morning practices, tournaments, and even signing papers to, a, yeah. you know, a trade agreement. Oh, yeah, I was I was a little surprised by that. <laughs> I didn't realize that was a thing. <laughs> you know, but with the Mustangs, uh, it seemed like you, you fit in pretty well there. 17 points in 29 games. How would you describe your, you know, I guess that short experience there during your rookie season with the Mustangs? Uh, well, it was just two different teams. Like, yeah, there were just two different teams and my role on the team changed very, very much. Uh, with Fort Mac, I was kind of one of the bubble guys that was in and out. You know, I think I, I sat, 
I sat five games of the 20 something I played with them, like where I was uh, a scratch. Um, and then when I came to the Mustangs, it was more like, Hey, you're not a bubble guy. You're going to play every game. Um, you know, we want you to make an impact. And so, um, I really liked that. Obviously I, I like playing every game. Um, I like being put in those situations and especially, um, as a 17 year old being put in those situations where I'm playing every game and I'm playing important minutes, just help me out for, uh, later on in my career as well. It also must've been nice getting traded to a hometown team, right? Where you could have the family, uh, nearby. Yo, for sure. I mean, there was, uh, obviously the hockey culture differences, Fort Mac, you would get like 12, 1400 fans every game. So I definitely missed that, but you know, I had my people around me. I had my parents, I had my, my family around. They could come watch a game on any given night. And sometimes when you hit a bump in the road or when you have a little bit of turmoil, they're, they're right there to talk to you face to face instead of over a phone. And that makes all the difference in the world. You did end up making the playoffs with the Mustangs during your first season there. You know, what was it like getting that playoff experience under your belt? It, it was good, especially we played a really good Brooks team that year too. So um, yeah, getting playoff experience right away was definitely really important. And in the, in the playoffs, you know, two points in three games, but you know, you had one goal. What is that story of your first playoff goal? Oof. I honestly can't even really remember. I think it was, I think it was a rebound goal. I'm honestly not too sure. All I know is that when I scored, it really didn't matter because Brooks was, Brooks was beating us by two or three. It was kind of just like one of those late game goals that just, it didn't really. Like garbage time goals. Yeah, sure. It didn't really make much of a difference in the outcome of the game, but looks good in the stat column, I guess. (laughs) You know, in your second season uh, during the 2015-16 year, this is, uh, you broke out and scored 40 points in 44 games. Where did that breakout come from? Did it stem from your offseason, uh, you know, pro, you know, I guess training? Did it stem from, you know, your role within the team? Uh, it, I was a belief from the, from the coaches there. The coaches really believed in me and they wanted me to, uh, or they believed that I could be that guy. You know, and that that season was very tough because, you know, we did our team had done really well in that in our exhibition games. And, uh, you know, I had been playing really well. And then three shifts into the first game of the year, I get hit and I break my wrist. And I was out for I was out for, I think, eight weeks. And I, I had to watch for the first eight weeks of the season. And then coming back was a, a little difficult. I had to deal with wearing a brace on my hand and all that stuff. But um you know, it was just knowing that the the staff there, you know, had a had a belief in me, really pushed me to to do as well as I did. Hey, yeah, that is, you know, I'm glad that your wrist is fully healthy, I should say. And you know, did you ever feel nervous that you weren't going to, you know, maybe have a setback at all? Um, I don't know. I like yes and no. There's a a little bit of both. There's it was kind of somewhere in the middle. Um, those nerves came every once in a while, but it wasn't the first thought on my mind. Oh yeah, for sure. And, you know, I guess it, you could kind of relate that back to your, you know, Fort Mac time with you being out for so long there and not playing. And, you know, it's really nice to be around the team though, right? Yeah, for sure. 
mean, you know, during a season, especially one when you score a lot of points in and then you come off the injury, how do you make sure your confidence doesn't get too high or too low, right? Well, that's uh, that's a t- that's one that every player battles with. Uh, my dad always told me when I was younger, he's like, just when you think you're good, you're not good enough. And that really stuck with me. So it's like, you know, you got to find, you got to find a good balance. Um, you got to know when you're playing well, but you also can't read your own press, right? Like you can't be, you can't get caught up in all the good things you do because there's just, you got to move forward. And even though you accomplish big things, there's still other things that need to be done. So it's always just focusing on what's ahead and not necessarily looking back. Exactly. You know, and I mean, you, you finished the regular season super well on a, on a high note there, you know, third on the team in points with 40 first on the team with goals in 18 and then third on the team in assists with 22. But, you know, to you, especially what stat is important for you? For me? Yeah. Uh, wins, wins and losses. It's, I mean that, yeah, I had a good year, but we didn't, we didn't make the playoffs at the end of the day, everybody wants to win. Right. So, um, I mean, that's the most important, but obviously just, just doing the best I can, um, you know, numbers don't necessarily matter as long as I'm just playing to the best of my ability. I have, I have a hard time with myself when I'm not playing to my potential, like every player does. So. And that's where the confidence thing comes into play, right? You just got to make sure that you're on an even keel note and that, you know, like you mentioned, when you think you're really good, the next shift or even the next second that you're on, you're next on the ice, something bad may happen. Yeah. Well, and on the, and on the flip side too, when, uh, when you have a bad shift, it's, uh, it's very easy to tank if you're beating yourself up over it. So just, you should always be focusing on what's ahead and not necessarily what's happened. It's very important for hockey players, in my opinion, to have a goldfish memory, you know, 10 seconds, really, you know, you just got to, because hockey is one of those sports where it's a split second action, really, you know, in a split second, the puck could be in the back of the net and you're down 1-0 or you could be up 1-0. Yeah, exactly. So quick memory is definitely really important. Uh, Something I kind of struggle with, I tend to sometimes, you know, look back on on some of the bad things, I can't quite get over it as fast, but I've really been working on that for sure. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's very important to have a quick memory. In your third season, which would mark, uh, you know, your last season with the Mustangs uh, back in 2016, 17, what would you say was your favorite part playing with the, you know, Calgary Mustangs? My favorite part. Um, I don't know. It's just a good, just a good group of guys. We had a lot of fun. Um, and that made it, uh, it made it easier to come to the rink when things weren't always going very well. Um, you know, we were, we were one of the best worst teams in history. I don't know if that makes any sense. Our, our record might not have shown it, but we were always in games. Uh, we had obviously had the odd game where it was, wasn't very close, but, um, I, when we lost, it wasn't usually by more than one or two. So just being around a good group of guys that, um, you know, you enjoyed seeing every day really made coming to the rink a lot easier sometimes when things weren't going the way you wanted them to and it's just one of those uh, seasons where the puck didn't bounce your way yeah I mean it is what it is everybody has those right you got traded to the Okotoks Oilers you know where you had 24 points in 26 games did you happen to play against the Mustangs during that same regular season yeah we played against them twice and we beat them twice. So that was, uh, 
that was those games. Those games were interesting too. Seeing everybody that you used to see every day, but being on the other end was uh, was was interesting. Now you know both sides of. I'm going to assume that's a rivalry between you know Calgary and Okotoks. I uh, yeah, a little bit. I think the rivalry is more between the two Calgary teams. Yeah, for what? sure. I mean, the Mustangs don't exist anymore, but uh, the rivalry on for the Mustangs was definitely when we played the Canucks. And in the playoffs with the Oilers, you, you know, you had 10 points in 12 games. What was most memorable from that long playoff run? Ooh, probably beating Brooks. Everyone kind of just expected Brooks to roll through us. And, um, you know, they were really good that year. They had, they had Kale before he went to UMass. They had McCarr there. So I think, you know, us and Brooks were one, two in the South and everyone just kind of expected Brooks to roll through us, but we gave him a fight, even though, we ended up losing the series in five games. You know, those games were close and we actually ended up stealing a game from them in, uh, in overtime at, in their own barn, which I don't think anybody, I don't think that happens very often in Brooks. So uh, that was definitely probably one of the most memorable parts of that run for sure. You know, going into a locker room with that underdog mentality, does that kind of fire up the boys a little bit? Oh, for sure. All the, when you're an underdog like that, all the, all the pressures on the other side. Cause you know, you're not supposed to win. So what do you have to lose? You know, and just having that little, that little bit of extra confidence and that chip on your shoulder for, for sure. It definitely provided uh, a big spark to the boys. You did play a few overtime games. Like you mentioned during that playoff run, what is it like playing in that atmosphere? Stressful, stressful. It's stressful, man. There's nothing Nothing quite as stressful as an overtime game in the playoffs. Anytime I watch an overtime game in the NHL, I'm stressing. Like it's, I can, you know what I mean? So it's, it's stressful, but you got to learn to love the pressure and the guys that love the pressure are usually the ones that come through. Moving on to the next stage into your, you know, hockey career here, you moved on to the NCAA, but how come you chose that route? Uh, I, well, I had my experience with Medicine Hat. Uh, I was drafted with them. I went to their camp uh, for two years, and I was on their protected list for two years. But I just ultimately felt going to school would be a better option for me. I was a bit of a late bloomer. I, was, I wasn't the biggest guy. And um, trying to go into such a rough and tumble league like the WHL would at a young age like that, um, who knows what would have happened if I would have got hurt or – or whatnot. So I just felt I needed the extra time to develop and the NCAA was the best road for me. You did play with the university of Alaska Anchorage. How would you describe the jump that had to be made from coming from the AJHL? Even an even bigger jump than jumping from midget to my first AJHL game. My first game um, in Alaska was against North Dakota. So <laughs> Quite, quite a jump for sure. We're talking about one of the most prestigious uh, college hockey programs there is. So that, that jump was crazy. It was the same, the same, same thing. Almost felt like I was chasing my tail in the first period. I couldn't believe how fast paced it was. Um, it's a real wake up call. It is. It is. And it's like the same thing. It's like, same thing. Like I said earlier, it's like, man, if I want to succeed here, like I got a lot of work to do. So did you kind of have to change your play style? Cause obviously with the AJHL, it's more gritty. Uh, and in the NCAA, there seems to be more goal scoring. 
Uh, I actually found it to be the other way around. Like the conference we were in, in the WCHA was also very gritty and it was less goal scoring. So it's very, very hard to score points in university hockey. Like I, that blew me away. Um, when you look at, you know, some of the best players in the league only have 20 something points or 30 something, you know, um, it's very difficult to get points in college hockey and, you know, the games are always low scoring. It's, you know, one, nothing, two, one, three, two, very low scoring. Very rarely do you see a game where it's like, you know, a six, five shootout. Like that just doesn't happen very often. The so defensively sound. And I've never seen kids eat pucks and block shots like they do in, in the NCAA. It's crazy. They're laying their, they're laying their line, the body on the line for the team. Those, those defensemen in Div 1 are puck magnets, man. They eat it. <laughs> <laughs> they're doing whatever it takes to end up on the right side. Oh, for sure. What role did you end up playing with Alaska? Uh, a little bit of every, a little bit of everywhere. Um, I was top six, bottom six, power play, killed penalties briefly. I did a little bit of everything. And how did that make you feel, you know, I guess being all over the ice? I, it was, it was different. Normally my roles have been pretty, pretty set. So kind of jumping around and playing different roles was, was different, but you know, in terms of long-term for my career, probably, uh, probably a good thing. Cause I guess you could say, you know, with playing all around the ice, you know, PK, PP, uh, bomb six, top six, you kind of get, you know, adjusted to, uh, you know, the different line combinations and where, you know, you're supposed to be on the ice. Yeah. And it just kind of makes you a little more prepared for whatever role you're put into, or you just, you have to learn to be prepared for whatever role you're put into. After two years with, you know, the university of Alaska Anchorage, you went on to the Calgary dinos where you are today. Uh, what did you end up studying at the university of Calgary? Uh, I'm in business general commerce at, in Hoskane, the Hoskane school of business. And do a lot of teammates, you know, take the same courses as you? Yeah, a couple. I mean, there's some guys that are they're doing different things, but there's there's quite a few people in the business program. That must make it easier for you to develop that bond between those couple guys. Oh, for, yeah, for sure. It's always nice to have, uh, you know, support in your classes. You always have teammates to study with. And, you know, if you're, if you're struggling with anything, there's guys that have either taken the course before or taken it with you. So that, uh, that extra support from the boys is huge in school. During your first season as a dyno, the one, I guess, two years ago now, yeah. uh, it seems so long ago, uh, you know, you posted 11 points in 28 games. What did you learn yourself as a player, uh, you know, from that first season? Uh, honestly, just I, a lot of people sleep on uh, the CIS hockey. And as someone who's been on in the NCAA and here, it's, it's no different. You know, the guys are just as skilled. The only difference is that in, in the CIS, guys are a little older, they're a little more mature because you're talking about guys that have graduated from the Western League and from junior to move on and have moved on here. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of people that kind of sleep on the play and think it's a step down and it's not. Um, you know, and I, I, really w I, I really hope that one day um, CIS hockey can get the attention it deserves because it's, it's, it's really good hockey, so... Well, you know, as someone who's uh, going to Carleton in the fall, I'm super jacked. Like, I'm pumped for, you know, university hockey to return. Obviously, you are as well. 
you know, I think we're all excited for sports to finally be back in university. Oh yeah. It's, it's exciting. It's exciting. And, and you know, everybody's got that itch to come back and play as well. Cause it's been, you know, 18 months, be close to two years um, from the time we actually get to play a game. So super exciting. The playoffs didn't go your guys's way as you kind of got swept there, but how much fuel does that sweep add to the fire going into this season? Oh, a lot, a lot. We don't, we don't ever want to go out like that again. Um, you know, especially getting swept, but you know, the, the overtime winner that knocked us out went off our captain's face and in the net off his visor in the net. Like it was just the most heartbreaking way to go out. Um, but yeah, there's def- that definitely adds a lot of fuel to our fire for sure. You can't even write that as a story. You know, that's just one of those uh, things that happen out of the blue. It's one of those split second things, bad bounces. Oh, and it just made me feel for Fish. Logan Fisher, our captain, just did, did everything he could to get in front of that shot. He went face first in front of it and it goes off his visor and in the net. Like that's just, that's heartbreaking, man. It sucks. Now, I know you're excited for all the games on the schedule, but are there certain ones that you have definitely circled on the calendar? There's always there's always the Crow Child Classic games against Mount Royal. Um, there's nothing like a good inner city rivalry. We always love playing Mount Royal. And you, would you say that – so for that rivalry, do you guys kind of play one and one like at both barns? Uh, yeah, I mean, I only experienced it for one year, but it's typically typically one and one. And then uh, we have the one game a year at the Saddle Dome where we normally fill it with a bunch of UFC and MRU students. So I'm not sure if I I really don't know if that's going to happen or not with, um, you know, the pandemic and everything. But, uh, yeah, it's typically one and one. Well, let's hope it happens. And obviously, you know, you are getting uh, another real taste of uh, the rivalry there. And you must be super pumped. Yeah, I'm just excited to be back playing soon. doesn't really matter who the team is. I'm just excited to be playing hockey again. Well, as we close off this interview here, do you have any advice for younger hockey players? Put in the work, man. You gotta, there's the, everybody says practice makes perfect, but it's perfect practice. If you're practicing the wrong things, you're just, you're just regressing. And uh, another one too, is just understand that two steps forward and one step back is still a step forward. So even if you take a big jump and then you kind of regress a little bit, you're still ahead of where you were the day before. So just, uh, you know, and quick memory, always look forward, you know, don't, don't focus too much on the past. Well, I'd like to thank again, Jordan Xavier for joining me on today's podcast. Thank you again, Jordan. Thank you. Thanks for having me.